Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm enjoying a nice cup of coffee right now. Compliments of my guest, and I don't know if I like the taste or just the jittery side effects. But (laughs) whenever Todd's on the show, he brings me a nice latte, and I am loving it. Todd Mulliken's my guest for the full hour. Todd, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to today's topic. We're going to talk today about five keys... For couples to grow together or to grow apart. Those seem to be the options. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Nothing in between, is there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it gets tricky in trying to help navigate folks so they are being intentional about growing together in Christ versus the, what can be the, it's kind of like, are we moving into more of a transformational kind of connection as a couple or are we moving more into that transactional? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just so easy to get kind of transactional with each other. And yeah. and then we feel kind of disconnected and not as for each other. And Do people understand the premise of this sacred union they're in called marriage, where mm. they are now one flesh mm. and they should be for each other all the time? I know. Right? Right. Yeah, it's interesting when you get a pre-marriage couple in there and I give them the book on love languages. They go, yeah, I want to give each other, I want to meet their love languages. And then 10 years into marriage, they say, no, here's my love languages, meet them. <laughs> you know, we can get into the what have you done for me lately Yeah, because we've, we're feeling um, just disconnected and then we're frustrated. And yeah, so some, yeah. I think some good proactive keys we can talk about. Mm-hmm. So I like five keys for couples to grow together or grow apart. Could also be five fingers, five toes. Could be any number of things, right? It really could. Just only matters if you remember them or not. <laughs> so, however you like to keep track of these five things that Todd's going to talk about today, um, you are. Uh, we're going to talk about relationships today. You can learn more about Todd at toddmulliken.com. He's a counselor, an author, and a professor. So, Todd, let's jump into our discussion today. Let's go to key number one. Accept each other and each other's differences. Accept each other's differences. Yes. All right. Now, that should have been pretty obvious going into the relationship, <laughs> right? I don't know that we see them as much, though, mm. right? I mean, the three that I'm going to talk about that I find are the loudest ones that people bump into, I, I don't know that we see it as much when we're recording or just early on in our story. So I think... But, you know, it's a big one. I mean, it's for me, it's like, that's why I put in the top five. Mm-hmm. A secondary thing I'm always working with couples on is trying to accept each other versus trying to um, change each other. Mm-hmm. Most of us are, I know I've been skilled at 34 years of marriage learning how to try to change my spouse to become like myself. Not a good idea. Yeah. But rather, how do I see that she has been made in God's image and how has God designed her? And then I get to see her with those eyes. And boy, that can be, oh, I mean, sometimes that can be like a 
big change. <laughs> so giving ourselves the eyes of looking at the difference, you know, accepting those differences. And then oftentimes I find, Bill, like well, differences we have can sometimes be viewed as strengths to help our desires as a couple to come towards each other more, if that makes any sense at all. So usually the what I view as a weakness in my spouse might be one of her strengths that would really help our marriage. So, for example, I'm more extroverted, she's more introverted. I see that one a lot with couples. Mm. And it has a deep dive to it where, uh, in in general, Bill, the you know, one of the things we all do every day without knowing it is try to seek rest, you know, uh, for our restlessness. And, uh, and restlessness is allowed as a symptom of anxiety, and we all have, it seems like anxiety is prevalent a lot these days. And so how do we find rest in the Lord? Well, well, people find rest in Jesus a little differently, if that makes sense. Some of us, I, like I can find rest as an extrovert into my men's Bible study group where there's eight of us on the call, let's go, and I'm connecting, and I'm learning that way, and I'm learning from each other, you know, just designed in that, and I'm excited about that, and I want to do more of that. And then I would like to have coffee with a couple of them and then have four more things going on that week, and just more the better, because that brings me almost a sense of rest hmm. <laughs> by by connection, whereas more typically the introvert will find rest through reflection, through that introspection, and uh, grow spiritually in their walk with Jesus through that one-on-one dialogue or with a close friend. They'll do a deep dive into a Bible study fellowship thing. Or mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And so what can happen is we can really get judgy on that difference versus how do we use each other's strengths that way we each find rest to help our relationship. In other words, how do I join my spouse in her reflection and introspection and, and do devos together? And just be together in that and sit in that and rest in that mm-hmm. a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. Ideally every day of the week, but do what we can, right? And then how does she maybe join me sometimes when I want to get, when I'm doing things and connecting with church stuff or friendships and, hey, let's do some hospitality or Romans 12. Let's let's have hospitable, hospitable time and more the better kind of. Let's bring others to faith that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe that won't be her <laughs> main way of doing mm-hmm. that. Uh, and then we can kind of get judgy on that difference. Well, why don't you join me in that? Yeah. If you're not happy, there? maybe you should try to be more like me. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I could see that going both ways. Oh. Not having it be pleasant. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that's one thing is that idea like, hey, I need to be really good at understanding how my spouse gains energy and finds rest in, in Jesus and finds rest in others and can be at his or her best in Christ in the way that God has made them uniquely. Mm-hmm. Now, as a professor, sometimes you, you get into a lot of research stuff, and there's even research about biological underpinnings with extroversion and introversion, mm-hmm. right? So the research suggests, I don't know if you could buy this or not, but the research suggests that when we wake up in the morning, introverts wake up overwhelmed, and for the best way for them to get to the optimum level of good, healthy rest is to ease into the day is to slow into the day versus rush into the day. Because introverts wake up kind of a sense of like, whoa, little, things are a little loud. How do I rest and ease into the day? Extroverts tend to wake up, and I can, I can this validates me where I'm at. I'm an extrovert. So when I wake up, I wake up kind of underwhelmed. And if I just don't get going, I won't get going. And I won't, and I'll get more 
almost sloth-like and mm-hmm. discouraged and apathetic and then just kind of, oh. You Makes gotta, sense? You got to step into your lane, don't you? You do. ASAP. Let's go. Yeah. And then when I'm going, it's like, oh, on my way to the clinic, I'm check, checking in with that barista person at Starbucks and, you know, talking about life and their life and my life and maybe slip in some you're, faith stuff. Hey, I'm, you, now I'm connected. You're energized, aren't you? Right. Now I'm, yeah. now I'm good, right? Can I set up a counseling practice without credentials or training? <laughs> can you? Yeah, no, I'm asking. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, you can. I wonder if I'd get any clients. Probably not. I don't know. Yeah. You, I don't know. You probably would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Phil. Credentialed and trained. Uh, M- Todd Mulliken's my guest today. We're talking about uh, five things, five keys that you um, can do to either grow together or grow apart. It seems like those are the options. That's two sides of one coin. It's hard to balance that right on the center, isn't it? It is. You're growing together or you're growing apart. And sometimes the reality of the discussion that we're doing one or the other might take years. Mm, fair. Right. We've been n- not talking for four years, mm-hmm. and now we have to come to the understanding that, say it out loud, we're growing apart. Yeah. yeah. And this first one we're starting the dialogue on is the idea that we have some differences, but let's not be defined by them. Let's try to accept them. Romans fifteen seven says, accept one another as Christ accepts us in order to bring praise to God. So... How am I doing with that? So one way is with introversion, extroversion. That's one of the main things I've seen with couples that when they have differences, it's in their energy level. Mm-hmm. Another one is uh, people. some people love to start things. Some people like to finish things. Yeah. When you have a couple where one person is a starter and they're creative and they have five projects going on at the same time, the other person's more of a finisher. Let's not start the second one until the first one's done. And we can kind of get judgy on the difference. The starter feels like the finisher is holding a boot camp, and the finisher feels like the starter is lazy and doesn't ever finish anything. And they start to hold against that versus, no, the truth is the starter is like energized and creative, and and they love to start that. And mm-hmm. it's a beautiful part of them. Hey, the finisher comes in and closes things and actually brings kind of a finish to the situation and we have to close that up and move on and so how do we accept that difference versus feeling like our spouse is doing it to us the finisher feels like the starter isn't recognizing that i like to finish and why do you keep starting things and don't think about me and the other way around the finisher views the uh, the starter views the finisher is like controlling them like why can't you give me freedom to do these different things? Uh, that's the way God's designed me. Why do you have to always f- just focus on getting it done? Why are you like that? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So there's there's judgmental statements there, and almost people take it personally. So how do we reframe that narrative? Because that helps us stay connected versus kind of create that slippage of being starting to be against each other and holding things against each other. So how do we use the strengths of the starter and the strengths of the finisher um, to do things well in our story as a couple? That's the second one I see quite a bit of. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to continue with Todd Mulliken. As we were talking today about five keys for couples to grow together versus grow apart. We want you to grow together. We want you to love each other more deeply. We want you to understand the, the breadth and depth of the love that Christ has for your relationship. And Todd's going to continue on with four more amazing points. You can learn more about Todd at his website. Apparently he's got one, Todd Mulliken, M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N, Todd Mulliken.com. We'll be right back. 
If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. I'm with Todd Mulliken. We're talking today about five keys for couples to grow together versus grow apart. If you are in a season of your relationship where things are growing apart, we will pray for you and we want you to be in a much better place. And we've got some keys to help you. So, and and Todd, it's going to require both people participating. Oh, it's a big one. There's one person listening today getting excited oh. that they might learn some keys, but how does it work if if the other person doesn't participate? Oh, there it is. Mutuality. We need both. And just a note on that, Bill, when we have both, it's like it expedites things. It really expedites things when both people are in and both people are having that framework of, yeah, you know, I know we have some differences. They've actually defined us. <laughs> And let's not them have them define us. Let's have us have more of an acceptance of the difference and start being judgy on the difference. Let's start seeing the other person who we love or who we're feeling disconnected with. How do we see them different? So one of the things I talked about was energy differences with introversion and extroversion, mm-hmm. whether it was kind of how we do life day to day. Mm-hmm. The other one is really, which we'll talk about in the third key, is just how people kind of express themselves. Some people are more what we call high arousal people, Bill, where they're very like intense when they're angry and they're very like excited when they're happy. Okay. So they have high arousal, we call it. Kind of their temperament, their physiology is just like, whoom, they're wired for sound. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's people that are more low arousal where when they're having a great day, they're just kind of content and really like serene chill and just really content. Mm-hmm. When they're having a bad day, it's sad. You know, they're depressed or they're uh, lonely and they're just kind of, but they're quiet in it. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, it sure And does. so when you naturally have one of each in the relationship, it's so, it, I see it all the time where we get judgy. The low arousal person feels like the high arousal person's getting too excited too quick or has an anger problem for sure, no matter what. And the high arousal person views the low arousal person as like, golly, just they never get that excited and are they, do they really want to, do they really want to spend time with me? They don't see them that excited or Hey, under stress, they're shutting down. Are they just shutting me? They're shutting me out. Yeah, they're shutting me down. They're shutting me out. I mean, is that all you got? You're shutting me out. What are you doing that for? Hmm. Whereas the reframe is I'm a low arousal person. I'm with a high arousal person. I see you as Jesus sees you as excitable. I mean, we can, there's plenty of scripture people that are excitable and like intensely happy and then really like, really hurt and they get upset and they're expressive with it. Sure, we all want to regulate anger well. Sure, we all want to manage our emotions well and we want to get in that center piece, right? But how do I be more accepting of, of that if I'm a low arousal person? If I'm a high arousal person, how do I see when the person is shutting down? They're not doing it to punish me necessarily. They're, the same stress that I'm feeling as a high arousal person with my anger, their anger is internal and they're, they're internally thinking about their anger inside here and they're processing it in, internally versus externally. 
So uh, how do we just know that to be true ahead of time and accept the beauty of both? And then how do I know my own stuff to know like, hey, if I'm, I'm a little bit more low-key, how do I kind of still come out when I'm, when I'm in a conflict? And we'll talk about that a little later. So, but that's the other way I see a lot of um, differences, Bill, is just different ways that people express their emotions, mm-hmm. uh, either in a good day or a bad day. Yeah. It's interesting, Todd, you bring up high arousal, low arousal, and you also bring up introvert, extrovert. It seems that it's ripe for conflict if there's a person that is, for example, uh, orderly and focused versus someone who is okay to let their office be a complete disaster. Yes. And we're not living the same way. We're living in, in different kinds of levels of organization, and that could be frustrating for both. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And again, how we how do we be for each other and first realize the other person isn't doing it to us? Right. When I have people reframe that, that can be a, a, a mild game changer. Really? Because people feel like it's happening. To, you're not thinking about me. You are not. If you loved me, you would be keeping it cleaner. If you loved me, you'd accept that I, I just have a hard time finishing. If you mm-hmm. really loved me, you would accept that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And people make demands of that versus like, well, let's not get it to there. Let's start with like, hey, I see you. <laughs> I see you that you aren't doing this to me. This is how you do your story. I'm letting you in that, you know, of course, my style is needing more order. And so I, you know that about me. I love you. I see you. I know you're not doing it to me, but that's important for me. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. Hey, I know you see me and uh, I know you like order. And I, I'd like a little bit more like, hey, can I do that tomorrow? Because I'm really focused on this. And and you can see when I have been focused on that one thing and really good things have happened. I know you see that too, right, hon? And, you know, I mean, just it's a different narrative of acceptance and then trying to come towards a 50-yard line. So the the person, if you will, that has that's more creative and a little more scattered, they try to hone in a little bit more because they love their spouse. The person that's more like rigid, maybe they just let the dishes go and, and relax with their spouse and watch a show and just snuggle and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? All right, let's yeah, move so on. That's, that's, let's, the first, so that's the first one, accepting I like that. the differences. Accepting each other's differences, key number one. Key number two, uh, what's key number two, Todd? Todd Mulligan. So it's called five to one, and it the premise here is that ideally we are learning as a couple how to give each other five affirmations for every one criticism. Okay, and I was thinking it was five potato chips to every to every one sip of pop. <laughs> well, thanks. That's I'll add that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And this is not meant to be a scorekeeping exercise. It's just meant to change our eyes for the other. Uh, it's not meant to say, okay, I'm going to say five nice things real quick and then kaboom. Yeah. Uh, but, and it doesn't mean, hey, we're avoiding conflicts. We'll get to that next with the third key. <laughs> yeah. But it's more really how are we showing love in the home? How are we, you know, Paul says, look at the, you know, focus on what is true, noble of excellence of praise, think on those things, put them into practice, you know, get your eyes set on those things, right? So as I have couples watch their highlight films more than their worst moment. Learn say, from say that again. I have people watch their highlight films more than their worst moments. Okay. People are defined by their worst moments. Mm. I'd rather have them learn from their worst moments. Talk about it in therapy for sure. But when three really good things happened during the week that were like, oh, yeah, that's us too. Please sit in that. Ruminate on that. Celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Visualize that. Bring the Holy Spirit in there. Watch that with him. 
watch that with him change, you know, be renewed by, by your mind changing there of the good that is there while we're dealing with the tough stuff. Mm-hmm. And typically, therapeutically, if I'm not careful, what I'm going to do the next 23 years with that couple is just focus on the one fight of the week that was difficult only. Mm-hmm. So how do we, again, create a safe place to handle the, the one that's difficult? So we don't want to avoid the one, right? We don't want to avoid the one hard conversation, mm-hmm. the one thing that I got. I need to bring this up uh, and this is what was hard for me. We'll talk about how to do that in a minute. But the idea here is really the five to one. And honestly, when people are early on in their relationship or they're courting, they usually do that pretty well. They do. So if they feel that they're needing to do the five to one ratio, might they start to feel like, oh, here it comes. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting a technique applied on me because mm-hmm. I'm getting some nice things. So, all right, just tell me what's going to be the tough one, right? Right. How do you do that so it sounds authentic and loving and kind and not feeling like a technique is being applied? Yeah. And I would offer, like, if my mindset is there, then I'm not get, believing the best of my spouse. I'm, I'm believing they're doing this because they're just doing it to check the box. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so now I'm in a mindset. Last time you and I talked about our mindset and how that matters. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, if my mindset is, well, here's why you're doing it. You're doing it because the therapist told you to. Okay, great. And that's tough versus, hey, you know, thanks for your effort, mm-hmm. right? So when when we see our spouse doing their part, in, in my opinion, and doing the five to one, like, let's go. Let's receive it. Let's build on that. There's goodness in that. So the five to one, what it helps us, because in transactional marriages, what tends to happen is we just tend to... When we have a discussion, it's going to be on the three hardest things that have happened last month or the one thing that was really hard only. Mm -hmm. So we just tend to talk about stuff that's hard only with marriage, and that doesn't, isn't the worst thing in the world, but it, it, you know, that's one of the ways we grow apart is when we're just, because when we're in that hard conversation, Bill, that's hard to do well, right? Mm -hmm. So the five to one just gets you thinking about, whatever is true, good, beautiful, of excellence, of praise, think on those things, put them into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a good focus, and I like when couples do that. Awesome. All right, we're going to take a break, but before we do that, see what the Holy Land might have looked like through Jesus' eyes by winning author Max Lucado. In the footsteps of the Savior, thanks to Thomas Nelson Publishing, you can win a copy every day this month. How sweet is that? So enter to win on the Faith Radio app or at myfaithradio.com. My guest today is Todd Mulliken. You can learn about Todd at Todd Mulliken, M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N, toddmulliken.com. If you hear anything today you want more information about or a clarification on a point Todd made, you can send the question over via text 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno, Brad Tyler. 
let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Thank you for joining me today. If you just turned on the radio, it is uh, a full hour today with Todd Mulliken. We're talking about ways that couples can grow together. And if they don't grow together, they'll end up growing apart. So the key is to grow together. And Todd's going to bring us five keys to do that. Key number one was accept each other's differences. Key number two was a five-to-one ratio, giving five affirmations for every one concern or criticism. So nicely done, Todd. Should we move on to key number three? Let's do it. All right. Hardest one of the five, and that is as a couple... How do we create a safe place to have different, diff, you know, disagreements or conflicts? Most people that come into my office are, that have communication issues is usually code for um, just having a hard time when they're in conflicts. They don't have communication issues. They are communicating. They're just doing it poorly, right? Correct. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and hurt people tend to hurt people. Of course. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do we as a couple create a safe place to have Conflicts, so we aren't defined by our conflicts, so we don't have an emotional hangover for two weeks after a bad conflict, but we get through them, and we aren't defined by them. We still might not totally agree on it. We still might not have it figured out yet, but we try to be as mutually respectful as we can to each other in it because it's the most important person in our life besides Jesus. Mm-hmm. So how do we save our best for the very worst of times? Mm-hmm. How do we prepare our mind for that? So if the grace and love of God are pouring into these two individuals, I'm just trying to think why there, why there would be so much trouble finding a safe place to have a loving conversation. Yeah. What do I know, though? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, I mean... Yeah, and, and a lot of it gets back to what we talked about last time, the mindset I have about my spouse going into the tough conversation. Mm-hmm. What am I expecting? What am I doing? What's my accountability in it? What generational patterns did I grow up in that I'm overcoming? Yeah. And you say spouse, but it could also be sibling. It could. This um, could go could anywhere. Be business partner. Could it be could all be. kinds of stuff. Right. Yeah. How do we bring out the best in any of those situations? So what yeah. I'm going to do is first recognize my style and go to Jesus with it. What's my style in conflict? What do I notice about myself? Do my own inventory. Right? Yeah. What is your style? My style is probably more flight than fight. Okay wanting things to be okay, wanting to recognize the other person's perspective, wanting to really hear what they have to say at my best. At my worst, probably deferring or uh, deflecting. So where do you create that safe space where you're having these conversations? Well, like with my spouse, what I'm doing is just knowing going into that we're for each other. Mm -hmm. She knows my story. I know her story. Nice. So we we know where we've come from. Now, I can either hold that against her. Yeah, here's the 20 things wrong with your family of origin. She can say, yeah, you know, I, I know your 20, thing, 20 issues. Have you figured all, all your issues with your therapist yet and get back to me? Okay, good luck, right? If that's the mindset, then it's never going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Mindset needs to be from both, like you said earlier in the show, which is huge. And if we say nothing else this hour, it's that. Like, how do we together grow together and just know that we're in that because the alternative is so worse, right? So... Mindset going into the conflict or the disagreement, we kind of know each other's stories. That's the big thing I've been working on the last few years, Bill, is I see, you know, do you and I see the other person as Jesus sees them in their story? 
do we see them as Jesus sees them or do we see them through our own eyes of our own humanity, our own brokenness, our own judgmental, pharisaical style, our own idea like, I kind of understand what's right and you just don't get it, right? So what's my mindset towards the other and what's my style in conflict? Mm -hmm. If I'm a fighter, what I have to do is fight more fair. I've got to be invitational versus being in versus having an interrogative style, a parental style. Mm. Am I inviting the partner, my partner into it, my business, whoever we're talking about? Am I inviting them into the conversation or do, do I just want to be right and get the last word and not, and not have any empathy? So the fighter is good news because they won't avoid it and we got to get in on the truth of Jesus and speak truth and have the hard conversations. But I've got to do it invitationally versus with a sense of interrogation. So the, the key phrase for the fighter bill is to make sure they end that conversation with their spouse, with their business colleague, with their sib, whoever. You know, I this is my take on it, but what do you think? Or how do you see it? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I inviting or am I just, you know, uh, speaking to myself in a mirror? The flighter, if that's your style... For your listeners, if you're a flighter, the best part is more the grace part of Jesus, wanting harmony, uh, you know, wanting to come let us reason together, as the scriptures say, you know, we're for each other. Let, can we just, you know, can, we're okay, aren't we? Like, so the harmony is okay. Now, fighters think harmony is wishy-washy and stupid and not truthful. So start bringing truth. And the flighters think truthful is too harsh and too mean, Make sense? Mm-hmm. So if I'm a flighter, I have to stay in the fight and be honest with what I'm feeling and honest with what I see and don't don't leave, don't flee, don't shut down, try to stay in there longer. And that's easier to do if the fighter's created an invitation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the flighter, the key piece for the flighter, Bill, besides staying in it longer, is not holding against what just happened, not building up there, and you've heard me talk about this, build up that resentment bank account against that argument that happened yesterday at two. So 10 years from now, that, that resentment bank's got a lot of money in it. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, because it's built up interest over 10 years and we're thinking about it and we're continuing to hold it against because they still don't understand me. All right, Todd, I want to continue to ask this question maybe from a different angle, but you say in key three is creating a safe place together to have conflicts and disagreements. And I understand some of what you've said, well, all of what you've said, but I'm looking for some additional piece that says, if you want to create a safe place, do this. Where do you go? Where are you? Are you in the house somewhere? Are you mm. in the car? Are you mm. in a walk? Are you at a restaurant? Are you mm. where, where are you going to create this environment where you think, okay, we're a little bit removed so we can have this time together. And is that important, or have I missed the boat? No, that's a great, that's a great additional key. That's okay. really good. I'm glad you brought it up. The, the first key, my, the my first... Pra- my practice, <laughs> if I had it. I think you're ready. I mean, another half hour, you're good to go. Okay. Get the info out, and we're set. All right. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, call marketing. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're right about the where it is logistically, but I think the attitude we bring into it will, will, will be louder than anything else. Right? Okay. Um, the so it's more attitude. Yeah. yeah. But but to I think the big key of what you're saying is we're creating a safe space to do it, meaning we're not doing it, you know, late at night. We're not doing it. We're on a rush. We're 
we know you know we're trying to connect. I, I try to have couples connect once a week on a kind of what I call a Sunday summit, where they check in about their day, week, and month, and not a business meeting. And except they got a bunch of kids running around, and they're trying to you know plan everything. That's a little business like, but then they're also taking time to have an easier or hard conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, and then you've heard me talk about these other four principles. So the first key is knowing your style. Am I more of a fighter, more of a flighter? How am I praying for uh, gaining the strengths uh, of my style, using those well, but really refining those weaknesses, going to the Holy Spirit and my weakness? Hey, so the Holy Spirit for the, is telling the flighter, you know, what are you, what are you doing? What are you afraid of? Stay in there. Just be honest. Be truthful. Love must be sincere. Romans twelve nine. Stay in there. Of course, if it's unsafe, you have to create space, and we create boundaries around that. But um, the other person is disagreeing with you. Stay in there. Try to hear their perspective and then say what's on your mind. Stay in there longer. The fighter needs to hear from the Holy Spirit, like, you know, just be be more kind. Be more – create an invitation. You're, you feel strongly about your view. That's fine. But create an invitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second, the second piece then has these four principles you've heard me talk about before, and you you frame these as kind of rules of engagement. I love I love that phrase you've used before. Um, speak without offending, listen without defending, agree to disagree, and then come back and own your own part after the conflict's over. When we revisit the conflict, are you coming back with mercy? Or are you coming back with scorekeeping? Mm-hmm. So the first two volleys in the conflict or the disagreement really can set the table. A lot. Mm-hmm. If you've got things built up in the resentment bank, how do you empty that bank account? Yeah. I, the best advice I can give is like, you know, be when I am thinking, if my mind is focused on what I'm holding against my spouse and, and I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to hold it against that, that's not okay. You know, I need to go to my spouse. Well, it didn't work when I went to my spouse. I really don't understand it, and it didn't help, but it didn't help at all. Okay, but you're going to release the resentment. You're going to create a boundary that we can talk about in therapy, but you're going to release the resentment so that you're not holding against. Okay, there's a difference between creating a boundary and holding it against the other. Mm-hmm. All right, Todd Mulliken is my guest. We're talking today. He's giving us five keys for couples to grow together instead of growing apart. So, number one, accept each other's differences. Number two, have a five-to-one giving five affirmations for every one concern or criticism. Then creating a safe place together to have conflicts and disagreements. All right, Todd, key number four. Where are we now? Key number four is how we're managing our time. You know, there's three kinds of people, right, in the world. People that make things happen, people that... Let things happen. And people that say, what happened? Mm-hmm. Right? And the people that make things happen, in my opinion, as a couple especially, is really being intentional about how they're doing their time. And so I talk about three tiers of time. And the first tier of time is good quality relationship time. And how are we majoring in that? How are we majoring in knowing what our next date is, knowing what our next getaway is, even our next getaways for six months? How am I doing with, we, we are looking forward to being together with things we enjoy doing because we get to do that because mm-hmm. life's been busy. So we're looking for those buoys and their markers. So, and we are making, we're just making a statement that our time really matters. Okay. So there hasn't been a vacation in 12 years and there's no money to take one. 
Right. What so, now? So, what my, now? so my getaway is very basic, right? My get, I mean, people usually didn't fall in love on a yacht, you know, right? Usually, I mean, most people, right? Most, <laughs> most people <laughs> fell in love, you know, like, you know, right? On campus. On or, campus, or right. So, yeah. yeah, so it ain't about that, you know? So it's about like, but what I mean by a getaway, I don't care. You can go next door in a tent or go to Aruba. I don't care, but just get out of here. You know, just get away a little bit and be with each other and be quiet and know that life really matters. So that's the relationship. But the the point here, Bill, is like in our non-work time, are we setting love and order because we get to? Are we are we looking to have relationship time, mm-hmm. good dates, good getaways, good connections? Um, I believe strongly in in the desire of you know spiritual intimacy. So. How are we talking about the sermon or how are we hopping into the U version of the Bible app and trying to do devos together? What are we doing to create some spiritual language together and just making time for that? Mm-hmm. And then what are we doing as a couple, you know, as, as a married couple to be intimate, to be emotionally and physically intimate and create time and space for that? So the first tier of time is, is, uh, is relationship time. All right, we'll take a break, come back more with Todd Mulliken as we continue to learn from him these five keys of growing together. If you have a question or comment, 877-933-2484. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. All right, Todd, this hour is going quickly, as they usually do when you're on. Appreciate you being on the show today. <clears throat> talking to Todd Mulliken, and we're learning five keys for couples to grow together versus grow apart. If you just joined us, key number one is accept each other's differences. Key number two, have a five-to-one, giving five affirmations for everyone, concern or criticism. Number three is creating a safe place together to have conflicts and disagreements. And number four managing your time well by setting love in order. All right, number five. Let's go. All right, and the fifth and final one is the idea of how we, how are we really coming towards each other by knowing what each other's needs are, knowing what each other's love languages are, whatever we're dealing with, right? Are we, it's so interesting when we're early on in our story, instead of keeping score, we're instead looking at, hey, what I get to do. One of the phrases I use a lot with couples is get to's versus have to's. All right, we get to do these things as Christ followers. We get to start looking at, hey, I know, you know, what her top two love languages are. And, you know, I get to do that. Well, I don't know if I want to do that because she hasn't done them for me. And, or, you know, yesterday, the way she talked to me, I, I'm not ready to do that yet. Okay. So now I'm holding against. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I want to have a conversation about that. But the fifth thing that really brings energy towards each other in Jesus and helps you feel connected is is you get the sense the, the woman is feeling chosen and cherished and the guy is, is feeling like he's doing something right. Because most of the time it's the opposite in marriage. Most of the time the woman does not feel chosen or cherished or noticed and the guy feels like, well, it doesn't matter what I do anyway. And I see, I mean, that's, I see that a lot. And so the antidote, the good news there is when the, the guy is kind of looking to choose and to cherish because he gets to in his own unique way. And the woman notices that and sees that and 
and, and senses that and is then kind of looking at who he is versus who he isn't yet. So those are my, that's a, my big one that I talk about is the man being on the initiative more and the woman being more accepting of who he is versus who he isn't yet. Because I think the man's big dilemma is we, we don't get going. We, we kind of get complacent unintentionally. We feel like we're good. Things are good. And, and it's usually based on her mood. <laughs> right, and if she's in a good mood, we're great. If she's not in a good mood, oh, we're not good. Okay, mm-hmm. so does that make sense? More of a posture of like, and then the woman feels like she's in a shared dilemma. Is if I don't say anything, nothing happens. If I say stuff, I'm a nag. So what do I do? Right. So the antidote, the good news there is the man is kind of initiating, creating, moving towards. If he's an introverted Swedish person who's quiet and internal and content, he'll do it in his own unique way, mm-hmm. and hopefully she'll see him that way right but he's but she sees his efforts and coming towards her right and that matters in 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 his own unique way and then how does the guy feel when and then the guy really loves it when his spouse is going well hey you know thanks for these two things yesterday it was really helpful you know and and i really appreciate that so it's kind of like the woman doing the five to one is kind of the big one really right because uh in general, when the female is upset and frustrated, she tends to look tends to do a lot of comparison uh, comparisons about the guy. Hey, you're not like you know Joe down the street, or mm-hmm. you're not like this that couple sitting next to us in church. What if you're not the guy that I met and fell in love with? How about they're comparing you to a different version of yourself? We used to be, yeah, right. And so now we're gonna now again what we're doing. And here's what the, tr- the struggle is, Bill. Like, you know, as you're going to hang out your own shingle after we're off the phone here, right? So, or after, you know, you're, you're, you said earlier, so important. Like, <laughs> I, both people have to be able to look in their own mirror mm-hmm. and say, here's what I get to do different. And if just one of you is doing that today, praise God that you are doing that. And we want to pray for your spouse that isn't doing that. Because when both can do that at some level, it changes. And again, I don't think that Satan's under every rock, uh, but I do believe that he does not like couples to get close. And so there's an element of the father of lies come in, comes in there and helps us focus on scorekeeping and what have you done for me lately kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's tricky. Mm-hmm. It's slippery and it's easy to hold against. So, yeah. so again, this isn't being la-la land. It's just like changing the narrative slowly and my mindset slowly. So we're having the hard conversations about what's tough, but we also are in a mindset of forgiveness and a mindset of coming towards. And hey, those are her two love languages. And you know, God has designed us, Bill, some more research here. God has designed us where when we do altruistic acts for the other, it builds endorphins. You know, endorphins shield the body from pain and help increase feelings of pleasure. Mm-hmm. And our bodies have been designed like that. Mm, so, amazing. Yeah, it's so good when we do it. But in our in my fallenness and our fallenness in our scorekeeping and our Pharisee robes and our own our own traumas we've been through, right? I mean, we've been through a lot of trauma in our life. It's we're used to chaos. It's hard, and now our spouse is disagreeing with us, so we're back in our old trauma. So it's slow. It's methodical, but but God is for you in the change. You know, He's for you in the healing. Yeah. When you talk about change, Todd, these five keys are pretty critical to navigating through change. I remember a pastor, his name was Lewis Smeads. He said, mm. my wife has been married to five different men, all of them me. Mm. Just how he has changed over all these years. And I remember Chuck Swindoll saying, 
that his tone had changed over five decades of marriage when he when his wife would do something that would be irritating to him, he would say, well, my wife, you know, but after five decades of marriage, after doing the same thing, he'd go, that's my wife. Right. It was just so tender. Love that change. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was just his tone. I mean, the message wasn't different, but the tone was entirely different. How 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 both both of those people are amazing. Lou Smead's books on forgiveness yeah. are unbelievable. They're good stuff, aren't they? Any of them are amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, Wendell's stuff is transformative forever. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that that last one, Bill, is like it, it helps you and I be kind of knowing, seeing our spouse, and looking for those sweet spots that we know will encourage them because we're for them. That's that last key is is serving each other. By, by meeting each other's needs. Mm-hmm. And it can be very counterintuitive because these days we hear more about, hey, watch out, be careful, look what they did to you lately, be, you know, self-protect, watch out, versus like, yep, we're going to set boundaries in mm-hmm. tough situations, but we're also going to really come towards each other. And I, I know, I don't know about you, but like I feel, I enjoy when, I'm, when, when I get her on my mind, when I get Laura on my mind, and I think about, this would be kind of cool, be cool. Mm-hmm. Then... And if I don't, if I if I instead go, yeah, you know, yesterday, man, I'm st- I don't like the way that happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. So bring it up, yeah. But then also go think about the other. Mm-hmm. So that's what gets us to grow together versus starting to score keep and move into more transactional business like stuff. Mm-hmm. I always think of the person listening to the show, driving home, or thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up with my spouse when I get home, and I'm gonna say, you know. What are your needs? And then they're going to say, we've been married this long and you don't know what my needs are? I mean, just being vulnerable is risky. It is. Yeah. Now, in a perfect world, I could get really, really, really hurt by where the other person's at and say, look what they're doing to me. Or I can see their story and go, well, you know, I, uh, okay, hey, hon, that hurt. I'm just letting you know I'm coming towards you. And that really hurt your your perspective. But I'm I'm for us getting better, so... I'm going to ask that person who let out well to know, like, I, I in fact, I've been where where that per, my spouse is at right now, and that's look at what you, look have you done for me lately? I'm holding against you. I'm stuck, right? So if nobody starts the ball rolling towards connection, then scorekeeping wins, and <laughs> and then you know, mm-hmm. and the resentment resentment bank accounts gain interest. So these keys just help you kind of gently move towards each other, slow, methodical ways. But last thing real quick, Bill, you kind of alluded to it too, when you talked about vulnerability, like, and it's that whole mutual vulnerability thing. Like if I'm leading out towards my spouse with like, Hey, I found myself getting really stuck at work today. And it's had a hard day and I'm just having a hard time right now. And all just, you do is just want to let you in. All you do is complain. Right. Yeah. Well, Can't if I do, then I got a problem. I get it, but I'm, yeah. just, I'm just saying. I mean, there's lots of things that can go wrong. Yeah. So yeah. make sure you pray. What's that? Make sure you pray. Yeah, right, for sure. Yeah, that the Lord will go ahead of this, these important conversations. Yeah, for sure. And then, and, and if she still responds that way, even after I prayed, guess what? God's holding me in it, right? So i got to keep knowing, yeah. like, this is not going to go. If it doesn't go well, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep doing my yeah. part. Thanks for saying that. I think that's an important part of this whole conversation. Yeah. Because I think there are a lot of men that would go, oh, I tried that and didn't it work. didn't go well That's at all. Right. Yeah. And I, I took an egg on the face and I'm not doing that again. Right. And now they're defined by what happened to them versus who they're becoming. Right. And most people are defined by what happened to them versus who they want to be. Mm-hmm. 
and that's that's where the rubber hits the road, and mm-hmm. we're all in that. And but God's on the throne and is going to hold us in it. And the older I get, the more I think, you know, Holy Spirit's a forgotten God, and how am I letting the Holy Spirit just hold me and comfort me in, mm-hmm. in those hard times, right? And and just advocate for me, grown on my behalf to the Father, and know like, hey, you know, it's hard day, but we have this, and here's what is true about who you are and how I see you. Yeah, I love the fifth key, Todd, mutually serve one another. I could stop right there. You could. Because that's, uh, that, that's, those are, that's an important message right there. Mutually serve one another in Christ. And then you added two, by knowing each other's needs. <laughs> which is, which is we, great. Yes. Which is great. But it helps could, to you, know. You could stop at mutually serve one another in Christ. Yeah, that'll keep you busy. That will keep you plenty busy. Yeah, what a beautiful message. Todd, thanks for uh, the time today. Thanks so much, Bill. Been a delight as always. Todd Mulliken um, has been my guest for this hour. If you missed any of it, there's some good stuff. Five keys to uh, having couples grow together versus apart. You can catch it on the podcast at myfaithradio.com and you can learn more about Todd at toddmulliken.com. That's M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N, toddmulliken.com. And Todd's on the show about once a month, so it's always nice to have you here. And I know that listeners love you, and they always learn a lot, as do I. So thank you so much for being an awesome guest and always bringing Rosie and I a nice beverage. You got it, Bill. Thanks so much. And Ryan today got Rosie's beverage, uh, (laughs) and he's got a big smile on his face. So thank, thank you so much. We'll take a break and be right back with Hour 2. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.